Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. No, I rock the house party at the drop of a hat. Yeah. I beat a body down with the loon on my back. A lot of people, they be told just that they hear me rock the mic. They be staring at the radio. Staying up all night. Yeah, here we are. It's uh, it's it's early summer of 2022. Uh, Patrick is back up here in um, in the God-fearing state of Massachusetts. I am. <laughs> I'm here in person. And yeah, so we decided to get together for my Christopher's uh, birthday bonus for this year, uh, which is coming up right around the corner. Uh, we'll be you'll be hearing this episode in June, but we're recording it in May. And uh, if anything catastrophic has happened between now and then. I'm really sorry. We didn't know. <laughs> I'm sorry we're not taking it seriously. I'm sorry this is... If, if something awful happens on, like, June 13th, and then, God forbid, we release this episode, and we're just like, Ooh, Paul's boutique, everybody. <laughs> like, what... what? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, yeah. maybe it's on you guys. Yeah, it could be the listener's fault. It could be. We, we didn't consider that. Maybe all podcasts get, like, diplomatic and... Um, all podcasters get, like, diplomatic immunity as of the 13th. Yeah, that would be cool. Um, or at least we all just get a mulligan. And, um, you know, we can we can just say, all right, well, you know, we'll, we'll do better next time. You got a birdie. Yeah. Well, well, that's the one if you get, like, no, less than No, that's if you get one, less one than five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I win 30 bucks if I get a birdie during, during golf league. That's is pretty good. It, is that why you call it a dirty birdie? Yeah, because I use it for dirty things. <laughs> <laughs> that like thirty get, dollars like pays get, for unspeakable get, things. Getting a Schultz dinner oh, twice. No. <laughs> Speaking of which, you've had a you've had an interesting past twenty four hours. It's your day of fives, correct? Oh yeah. So um, for those who don't know, which I'm sure is everybody who listens to the show, I suffer from a little condition called gout, and uh, I finally. Uh, Finally bit the bullet and uh, started taking the medication um, that I now have to take for the rest of my life. It's called allopurinol. Uh, but because I did that, I've been eating like a complete asshole from <laughs> since I started taking it. And actually, I probably shouldn't be doing that because I think I'm starting to get a flare-up. But anyways, uh, I'm getting married in August, and uh, I got my suit in the mail to try on, and it doesn't fit. So now I, uh, now I have to lose some weight. Now you have to uh, get your get your personal training done by Todd Bowes. Yeah, so, the of the show. So, so Emily is, uh, you know, Tuesday after I tried the shoot the suit on, I was so upset. I was like, "God damn it! Why can't I just stop being a fat piece of shit? Why do I? Why am I like this?" And Emily's like, "What can I do to help you?" I was like, "Don't let me eat anything bad." <laughs> and so then I continued to eat bad things. And then Thursday I went out and drank a bunch. And then I just had a bunch of pizza today. I'm I'm a real piece of shit. I want yeah. you to punch me in the tummy anytime you see me eating. <laughs> well, last last weekend in particular was great because that was the weekend that we were working on the 48-hour film project. 
and uh, I can only speak for Jim and myself as well as the others who were there, but we collectively had uh, two pizza dinners <laughs> in two days. <laughs> I made one of them. Yes, Jim made one of them, which was quite nice. And then the next, um, a kind, old, elderly uh, Italian man uh, by the name of Gino. He's someone's papa. Uh, he made a bunch for us, and that, that was nice. Oh, I love Papa Gino. Yes, yeah, so the calories don't count if you make your food at home. That's what I've learned. It's actually, if you make your food at home, the calories don't count. Yeah, sometimes they're negative. There's some. Yeah, I mean, it's actually better for you. You actually lose weight by, by eating at home. That's how that works, right? Yeah, because you're, yeah. you're burning calories actually physically making the food. That, that. that evens out, right? Yeah, that definitely evens out with uh, you leaving your home and going to do something. <laughs> what happens is every time you order DoorDash, the, the DoorDash driver like injects another 3,000 cal- uh, calories into your food. And, th- and then, that's, I don't know, that's what you get. Yeah, that's what uh, that's what Matthew did uh, with tonight's delivery from an establishment called Best Pizza, <laughs> and uh, their pizza was pretty good. It was a uh, solid suburban Greek pizza. Yeah, man, I miss it. <laughs> the it's, pizza situation down south is is rough. Paul, I mean, pizza outside of the the Northeast in general is pretty atrocious. It really is. Like, I, I will die on the hill that like New England has the best pizza options. Like, you can get whatever you want. You can get your New York style. You can get Greek style. Like, you go to Uno's and get Chicago style. That's, that's the authentic <laughs> style, right? <laughs> yeah, Sh- Chicago Uno's uh, Pizzeria is actually uh, only a Northeast establishment. They don't even have them, uh, you know. I mean, I, is, are there even, I was, you know, we were kind of talking about, uh, obviously, the, the album I listened to, they mentioned Red Lobster. Are there even any Red Lobsters in New England? Isn't, no. Is that, I would no. say that's fucking, like, probably blasphemy or some shit, right? There are not. No, I've looked this up before. Because they advertise up here like it's their job, but there's <laughs> yeah. just none of them around here. No, I, I don't even think, I, I don't see many down south, but that's where they would be. I, I have seen them down there before. Yeah, I think they're. I, I think they're just like few and far between nowadays. They're. they're uh, can you, can they're, you imagine being the type of person who goes into Red Lobster and is like, "I'm gonna get some good seafood tonight." Well, you know, <laughs> when when I lived down in Florida, you know, I, I obviously you don't realize how spoiled you are living in New England when it comes to seafood and stuff. But like, I moved down to Florida as a ripe 18 year old, and you know, a couple of my friends are like, "Let's go to Red Lobster." For what, what the hell is the fest day? Is it Shrimp Fest? Shrimp Fest, yes. <laughs> <laughs> how uh, how creative! Uh, but we went in there, and you know, we we had red lobster, and I literally felt like I was just—I think I got like a shrimp pasta thing, and I I just literally—it was literally like eating pasta out of out of a uh, a bowl of butter. It was like it was like <laughs> it was like noodle cereal, but the milk was butter. <laughs> So the, the only thing I know about That's Red Lobster good. are you can get their Cheddar Bay biscuits to make it home, and I have done this, and they are incredible. So I have to assume that if you go to the sto- to the actual restaurant and get them, it's going to be another level. They're pretty good. So if I if I went to a physical Red Lobster, what I would do is I would scurry to my table like Gollum, sit in it, just demand they keep bringing me biscuits, Does eat it- as many as I possibly can, throw up. Then eat some more. I'm and pretty then sure that's a leave. South Park episode. Isn't there an episode of South Park where they go just Red Lobster just to eat the Cheddar Bay Biscuits? <laughs> Sounds be. about right. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure that's a <laughs> thing. The only fast food one I can think of off the top of my head is the um, the Goodfellas one with the uh, oh, KFC. The KFC. Yeah, 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 that was good. I don't know. I'm I'm down south, so I'm a Bojangles man now. They they got the best biscuits as far Bojangles as Bojangles is good. 
Yeah. Good fried chicken. Good, uh, good, good fries. Good, good, like, kind of spicy fries. Like, their regular fries have spice on them. That, that's, uh, that's always, that's always a nice treat. Now, here's a big question for you. How's your McDonald's allegiance these days? Um, I went there the other day, actually. Okay. Uh, and no, I, I I've been a couple times down south too, uh, because it's uh, one of the few places that's like open, like either twenty four hours. I can't remember if it's twenty four hours or like until midnight. But like a lot of the other places kind of close early because uh, it's like a small town. But that's one of the few places you can go. You know, if I get home late at night doing a DoorDash, I can. Uh, I do have a memory of getting a McRib this past fall. Uh, I have a memory. Yeah. <laughs> what did you black out? <laughs> Things got a little hazy yeah. after that. Well, you know, like you, you go into the 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 fugue state after you eat your McRib. Doesn't that happen to any anybody else? No, usually you have to go full Schultz dinner to go into fugue state. Yeah, you you, you definitely have some. Uh, uh, I, I've heard people compare it to a DMT trip uh, <laughs> or an ayahuasca. Which is that the same thing? I don't is DMT know. and ayahuasca the same thing? No, I did some kind no, of DMT so. one time. That's that's the only thing I know. Yeah, I don't think so. Um, what was I going to say? Uh, yeah, it opens up your third eye, and uh, for me, it, it, it closed all of my eyes because I don't remember. <laughs> so. Close your eyes, and it made your butthole pucker really tight to, you know, make sure nothing accidentally slips out. I mean, yeah, for to a point, of course, you know, then, yeah. and, then, and, then, and then, you know, the floodgates were released. <laughs> Got on my squatty potty, and it was all over. So as you could probably tell, this is another installment of Old Men Yellow Cloud. This is my Welcome birthday bonus back. episode, and uh, I am happy to be joined here by Patrick. Pooh. And Jim. I am in pain all the time. <laughs> sure there is. you have it. And I am Christopher. And uh, yeah, it's my birthday, so I get to make a pick and uh, get to host a little episode here. So uh, my pick is a little album called Paul's Boutique, which is the second studio album by American hip-hop group Beastie Boys, released on July 25th, 1989 by Capitol Records. Produced by the Dust Brothers, the album is composed almost entirely from samples and was recorded over two years at, my, um, at Matt Dyke's apartment and the record plant in Los Angeles. Paul's Boutique did not match the sales of the group's 1986 debut, License to Ill, and it was promoted minimally by Capitol. However, it became recognized as the group's breakthrough achievement, with its innovative lyric and sonic style earning them a position as critical favorites within the hip-hop community. Sometimes described as the Sgt. Pepper of hip-hop, Paul's Boutique has placed on several lists of the greatest albums of all time, and is viewed by many critics as a landmark album in hip-hop. So yeah, this is a this is a pretty interesting album because the Beastie Boys, as you know, before this were best known for "Fight for Your Right" and "Girls" and like all those songs from uh, from "License to Ill," uh, which which is an album I don't like. What is "Sabotage" on? "Sabotage" is later. That's uh, "Ill Communication." Okay. Yeah, it, uh, I don't I don't like "License to Ill," and it's not just like the the dumb lyrics on it or anything like that. Like I hate how it sounds. I hate just having uh, an 808 drum machine with vocals on top and saying like, okay, cool, that's an, that's an album. <laughs> like, I just hate sonically that there's nothing happening. And this, by extension, is kind of the opposite of that, and I, I really like this album. So, pretty interested to uh, to see what you fellas think about it. Yeah, this, this is interesting. I, I have to say, this is my first time listening to a Beastie Boys album all the way through, front to back. Same. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not really too familiar with their stuff beyond their singles, uh, and uh, 
Not that I have any issue with them or anything. I just never thought to like seek them out. Uh, I, I, uh, I don't listen to or, or I've, I've been getting into more hip hop nowadays. I, I didn't really like growing up or anything. Uh, but I mean, I heard these guys on the radio quite a bit, and uh, I want to say my brother or sister had uh, ill communication. I seem to remember that being in the household, like in the mid '90s. That was a sounds about right. Yeah. All right. Well, let's uh, let's not dilly dally any further. Patrick, what was your favorite song on this? All right. Well. Uh, yeah, so my, my cursory listen, I, I went with a track that I actually was familiar with beforehand, uh, and that's Looking Down the Barrel of a Gun. Yeah, I mean, I, I I think like part of the excitement uh, or for like decision for me to pick this for favorite track could have been based on the fact that I was like previously familiar with it because this album is uh, it's a lot to take in. I think the first listen around because of uh, the use of samples, just like the very erratic use of things, and like you know uh, you don't catch all the vocals right away. They're they're kind of like mixed in such a way that you know you know, catch 100% what they're saying. So it's like, I know a lot of the the meat of the song, uh, you know, is kind of in the lyrics as well as what's, what's going on with the sampling. Uh, yeah, but I just thought that one, you know, it's got a great groove to it. It has that uh, guitar riff that uh, I think is from uh, Mississippi Queen, but we aren't really 100% sure. It's just like, it kind of, yeah, it sounds like Black Sabbath-y. So it could, could be a fucking mountain riff. Uh, but yeah, uh, that was pretty badass. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's, uh, that one I, I, I see like I seem to remember the most lyrics from, and, and just like the the attack of the three boys uh, doing doing the rap thing at once. It's a, it's a cool and intense. <laughs> Are you boys in there doing your rap thing again? <laughs> yeah, I like the uh, the time sample on that one too. That's Pink right. Floyd. Yeah, we get Pink Floyd sample in there too. I forgot about that. Yeah, there, there's so much that goes on. It's uh, definitely, definitely a lot to take in that first time around. It's very dense. Yeah, it's uh, Agreed. yeah. I feel like a dog, like after its owners just came home, the, the first time I listened to it, because I'm just like looking back and forth between the speakers, trying to figure out what the fuck's going on. Yeah. <laughs> Jim, what was your favorite track? Yeah, I mean, like Patrick said, I. This is my first listen through uh, a Beastie Boys um, album, and I, I think um, I'm kind of in the same uh, same ballpark as Patrick, where um, I didn't really know what the fuck was going on. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it was definitely kind of a sensory overload thing, but um, it, 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 I don't know. It was I, I had a hard time kind of picking things out of this album because. It's all basically just samples and them kind of rapping over it. And this is one of those things where I feel like, yeah, you're going to need multiple listens to really kind of take in what they're actually trying to say uh, uh, over all the samples. Um, but 
Uh, I think my favorite track, I'm going to pick uh, To All the Girls, the intro track. I really like how that faded in and um, that, that whole like Rhodes groove that was going on there was pretty cool and funky and a nice like lead into the album. So. gravitate towards that nice cool it comes back in towards the end too yeah it like ends with it too so i i have a couple that i really like uh i almost went with yeah almost went with the sounds of science because just the fucking flagrant use of beetle samples yeah. cracked me the that fuck was up my every second time. choice yeah um and shadrach was up there too just because i like the groove of it so much but uh I'm, I'm gonna be basic and go with the um the the only successful single from this uh hey ladies It's just that's that song is one of the places where I think all of the individual samples that they use just really are focused together and working on creating a, just a fucking killer groove. And um, yeah, the song has it's it's just got such a strong groove and lyrically uh, the the boys are on fire on that one. Yeah, that one's fun, and I think uh, going off what you were saying or you know the the complaints about uh, their first album being like kind of a frat boy affair. Uh, it, the, the the sort of like frat boy lyrics kind of work in this case because there's just like so much shit going on and just like so much like clanging around it's like it doesn't really matter it just sounds like a big fun time yeah and it's um it's definitely starting to become more facetious on this album yeah it's like a little more chaotic and and yeah like less in your face I guess and yeah to get that little cowbell thing that happens in there that's that's really fun <laughs> well i mean i think e- even when we start to listen to it christopher you will like you know by this point e- everything they're doing is a uh, is pretty you know much a joke yeah <laughs> yeah everything's everything's a joke with them um I- except for the first album which is um where rick ribbon produced it and he uh he did help them start their career and launch that career introduce them to russell simmons and what have you uh but his whole thing was he was really into wrestling and he wanted them to play the role of heels so he was very much into them playing characters and being characters that were assholes so uh, they did that for a little bit uh, it got them one hit and then Rick Rubin and uh, Russell Sibbins kind of kicked them to the curb so they started getting a little bit more true to their roots after that so to speak and they became a little bit more I think thoughtful about everything that they were doing um, it was still all just a fucking joke and um, you know they were trying to make each other laugh more than everything but um, yeah, the whole the whole like heel aspect of their personality had gone away by the time this album rolled around. Yeah, it's uh, interesting. Like Rick Rubin was into wrestling. Like <laughs> he was. It was like, yeah, you guys are gonna be heels, and like you guys are gonna be the baby faces. Who's gonna be the baby face band? <laughs> Well, yeah, he was an interesting person uh, back then. I think he's mellowed out since then. But right around this time, he was also starting to work with uh, the Black Crows, who had just been signed. Oh, yeah. And they didn't have a name. And I forget what the actual name he suggested them to, but the anagram was KKK. And he suggested it because they were from the South. And I think it was on the Behind the Music where, like, Rich Robinson is just like, KKK, and we're from the South. Thanks, asshole. 
<laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, glad, uh, yeah, glad they, they didn't go with that one. Jesus. Yeah, it seems like a lot of uh, Ruben's clients around then were one and done. When you have like the Black Rose and Beastie Boys, who both had pretty damn big careers um, after leaving him. I think he liked cocaine. I, I, I think he liked his <laughs> cocaine. <laughs> in, the, in the 1980s. Patrick, what was your least favorite song? Uh, all right, my, my least favorite song is one uh, that I kind of don't remember a lot about, and that's What Comes Around. Yeah, I think for, for some reason uh, the boys were just kind of annoying me on that one. It was just, <laughs> wasn't doing it for me. Uh, yeah, I don't remember a lot about that song. I think that one had the Moby Dick yeah, sample in that's it. That's how yeah. I remembered it. <laughs> that was like well, kind of about all I, I could uh, say about it. I actually pulled it up because it has one of my favorite lines on the album and I didn't want to uh, misquote it. And it's uh, it's one of the rolled R's, which are always fucking fantastic when oh, they roll their right. R's. Yeah, that's right. Rapunzel, Rapunzel, let down your hair so I can climb up and get into your underwear. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah no. Okay, that's I pretty good. hard to chuckle at that one. <laughs> you know what? Second time around, I I, I could that could get bumped up. For that me, was, this this is one of those albums where I probably should have been reading the lyrics as I was listening to it. Yeah, it goes a long way because, like you were saying, everything it feels like a mixtape. Everything kind of right. blends together. Right. Otherwise, I had a hard time kind of figuring out where songs started and stopped too because they just kind of roll right into each other. Yeah, that's would have helped with uh, the lyrics. Yeah. Uh, what was your least favorite, Jim? My least favorite. I feel like I'm going to be a basic bitch here, and uh, I'm going to go with the last track, B-Boy, Bob, 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 Mayonnaise. <laughs> I don't know. It's like what thirteen minutes long, and yeah, just like, all snippets. Why? My my question is why? Why not just because they they were all jokes, oh. and uh, they they like jokes. <laughs> hey, you like jokes, especially twelve minute jokes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, for the most part, I kind of agree with you on that one. Uh, the one thing I do like is the segment uh, A Year and a Day, the one that's just MCA flowing over um, the Hendrix guitar sample. Yeah. <laughs> I liked that one quite a bit. I, I didn't have any notes for Card Thief either. I think that probably would have been my second least favorite because I don't really remember what the hell happened there. Yeah, Card Thief was uh, a lower rated one for me as well. Uh, but for me, I'm going to go with Johnny Rael. It's up towards the beginning of the album, and it's just repetitive and slow. And I think it, it sets kind of a bad pace at the very top of the album. Maybe I'd feel differently if it was sequenced later on. But uh, for these purposes here, that's going to be my least favorite. Although, um, as we like to say on this, uh, I don't dislike anything on this album. You know what a bass is? It's a uh, traditional provincial fish stew Yeah. from uh, Marseille. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, bouillabaisse. bass. Using the bony rockfish, uh, which they were unable to sell to restaurants or the markets. Man, that mic's really being an asshole to you, huh? Sure is. 
<laughs> just have to fix it every few minutes. Yeah. Bring it back up. Just train Watch it. it go down. Just, hey, can you crank that no. thing? No, it's cranked no. all the way. Yeah. All right. Crank it. Crank it. All right, Patrick, MVP yeah. moment from Paul's Boutique. Yeah, um... I, I think Jim's made it made a comment that it was like kind of next to impossible to pick one because everything is so rapid fire. <laughs> uh, I, I there was a little moment in uh, the sounds of science, uh, which like kind of starts off doing you know they're they're taking samples from from Beatles songs and like doing this like silly sort of like triplet flow over it. It's very very funny, uh, and then all that kind of drops out, and then like you get these like. Uh, one of, one of the guys starts like kind of freestyling or, or like arrhythmically freestyling, and then you get these like kind of random horn blasts in the in the middle of it, and it was, it was uh, very jarring and just like a complete tonal shift, I guess, from what you know, like the sort of like Beatles stuff they were doing before. Yeah. Quite entertaining to hear. Jim, what about you for uh, for the MVP moment? Mm. Mm. <laughs> I'm gonna go with uh, Patrick. I already brought it up earlier. I'm gonna go with that. What we assume is the mountain uh, guitar riff and looking down the barrel of a gun. first point of this album, I was like, finally, some fucking rock and roll. <laughs> God. Cooking riffs. If there's no drums in here, so help me. <laughs> Something might happen here, and if it does, so what? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck it, I'm gonna go in there and just play some drums to the to the record. No, it's definitely, like, hip-hop's never been really my thing, and as I get older, I learn to appreciate it more. Um, but there's still this, that kind of repetitive element that just kind of is like, okay, <laughs> give me something else. The thing that I like <laughs> about the Beastie Boys uh, more than other hip-hop artists is that they're very happy to be weird. Yeah. Uh, they were saying that one of the things uh, about this album that sucked for them was obviously they saw a huge drop in sales after, um, after License to Ill. And they noticed that their shows were starting to become poorly attended as well. But they realized that there were a bunch of weirdos who were sticking around and coming out to see them still. And they're like, wait a minute, if we keep just doing weirdo shit, these people keep seeing us. <laughs> so they, they learned to kind of live with like a more niche audience for a couple of years until they had um, like sabotage and uh, yeah. so what you want and what have you. But yeah, yeah they, they, they got a little weird for a bit there. Yeah, and then like Hello Nasty was kind of a big, big deal for them. I remember it was, that, that, that was a huge deal. Yeah. Is that the one with. Uh... Intergalactic. Yeah. Intergalactic. yeah. What year did that come out? That's 98. Like 98. Jesus. Yeah. That's because that song doesn't feel that old to me, but it's fucking old as shit now. Yeah. Yeah, that was the uh, the last dance at Rob Laugh from VL's wedding. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> That's very good. All I think yeah. all I think about is uh, that fucking. Uh, it's one of the earlier episodes of Futurama where they go to the Beastie Boys con concert. Yeah. And they just got the heads and they get the guys in the black suits kind of <laughs> dancing around with the heads. Yeah, it's good stuff. 
Uh, for me, MVP moments, I'm going to go with a line of lyrics, and it is not the one I just said. It is <laughs> one from Shake Your Rump. And the line is, I, I mentioned it to you guys while we were listening. I'm like Sam the Butcher bringing Alice the meat. And anytime you have like a sexual reference to the Brady Bunch, it's pretty funny, especially if it involves Alice the housekeeper and Sam the butcher. Wait, I, I'm, I'm not really familiar with the Brady Bunch, so Sam the Butcher is another character on the yeah, show. Yeah, he like shows up with he's, his... Yeah, he's in it like maybe five episodes total. Yeah. Yeah, but in I think in the Brady movie, they're fucking... Yeah, yeah, he yeah. was played by uh, David Graff, who played Tackleberry in the Police Academy movies. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's probably like one of those things where it was like implied on the show, and then like when they got it to It wasn't even movie. implied on the show. Like they, like, she just dated Sam, and like he was in a couple episodes for a couple seconds. It, it was oh, a very okay. clean show. But, um, well, actually, that's not entirely true. It was a little horny with the parents. But, um, <laughs> no, in the movie, yeah, there's <laughs> there's a scene where uh, I think they're all looking for Jan or something, and it's the middle of the night. And uh, Alice comes out in a bathrobe and is like, what's going on out here? And they tell her what's happening. And then Sam comes out in a bathrobe, and they're like, Sam, what are you doing here? And he's like, oh, I'm uh, delivering the meat. <laughs> <laughs> Crickets. <laughs> Good night, everybody. <laughs> what, you don't like solid 1995 Brady Bunch movie humor? Oh, man. It was that long ago, wasn't it? Yeah, sure it was. All right. Uh, breezing right through here. Comparable album, Patrick. Comparable album. Comparable album. Uh, that was tough. That, that was kind of tough for me to think of. Uh, yeah, a few, few things that I was thinking of. More like thematically, where, where we have an album that uh, came after a commercially successful album uh, that didn't sell as well but like was more critically acclaimed uh, and and the first thing that came to mind was Fleetwood Mac's Tusk <laughs> mm, yeah which like uh, was like a, a weirder uh, it was a double album of theirs a weirder album that came out after their big one uh, Rumors but uh, didn't do nearly as well but uh, was very uh, well well rated by critics and, and like still kind of celebrated to this day that, that was the first one I thought of uh, yeah that, that always fascinates me that you know what they went through making rumors and how much they all fucking hated each other and they're like yeah let's do it again <laughs> it was professionals like yeah that was fun let's do that again let's let's uh cocaine sure yeah yeah I got I got some sure why not has anyone in this group not fucked each other yet? Can, can we make that happen this time? All right, you, uh, Mick and Chris. All right, <laughs> seven minutes in heaven. <laughs> I mean, John. Oh, Chris was the was was uh, Christine. All right. John McVeigh was the bassist. Sorry. They were married at yeah. one point, correct? Throw Lindsey Buckingham in there too. Why not? Yeah. Slippery bastard. <laughs> <laughs> he does look like he's slippery. <laughs> okay. Um, Jim, comparable album. 
I'm going to go with actually one we've done on the show before. Um, I don't know why this kind of came to mind. It might have just been kind of the the sampling and the kind of er- erraticness, I guess, of this album. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, 1997 uh, Square Pushers' Hard Normal Daddy, which oh. is an electronic album we did on the uh, we did on the show a while back. I don't know. There's uh, just kind of something about maybe just kind of the sounds that um they both use too i just i i found some similarities between that and then obviously um square pusher tends to throw in a lot of wackadoo samples and stuff in his stuff and um yeah i could hear that yeah for sure yeah yeah definitely uh myself i am going to go with um the opposite end of the spectrum for a similar sort of thing and i'm gonna go with puff daddy's 1997 album no way out because it is uh doing sort of the same thing as this album but in the least creative way possible is that the, is that the godzilla is that the one with the godzilla theme on it that came after oh, okay. that was that was a standalone song for that soundtrack <laughs> no this supposed to be the one with like i'll uh, be missing all about you the gen- all, all about, about the benjamins, benjamins. yeah yeah <laughs> yeah that that was the time uh mo money mo problems yeah, so it was the same thing. Like, there's nothing creative happening on it. He was just using just samples wholesale and not really doing anything with it whatsoever. And just yelling about how he's Puff Daddy and how <laughs> fucking cool he is. Like, that's why, that, like, that, we listened to that. We were like, yeah, awesome. Fuck uh, yeah. Well, speak for yourself. I did not. <laughs> yeah. I mean, no, I mean, no, 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 not to say us. You mean the collective we, yeah. The collective us. No, we, we, we were listening to the good stuff. I know. Uh, but yeah, the good stuff. That dream, dream theater. theater. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, no, but like seriously, like that's like like pretty much all he did. He was just like, I'm I'm really cool. Here are my samples from things that are also cool that I like. Aren't I awesome? <laughs> Great. Cool. I have a lot of money. I don't. <laughs> I I think we've talked about it on this podcast before, but I really liked that one VMA. Uh, it was the VMA Awards, like '98, I think. Where he did a huge version of "I'll Be Missing You," had like a choir on stage, had like a band behind him. Like Sting was there had, too, wasn't he? And he had Sting there singing the chorus, but Sting sang "I'll Be Watching You." He yeah. did not sing "I'll Be Missing You." <laughs> he, he he refused to sing the the amended version. Correct. And then you had uh, was it was a Faith Evans who sang on that? Yes, yes. And I she was singing so. the correct version and everything. Was, was or, it Faith Evans or Maya? No. No, Maya was a ghetto superstar. Ghetto superstar, right. Yeah. All right, so that leaves us with uh, just one last bit of business here, and that's uh, a rating. Right, right. All right. Uh, moving the microphone back up, we'll see how long it lasts till it mm, flops down. Patrick, what would you give Paul's Boutique on your first listen from upon, 1 to 10? Upon my first listen, I... You know, I, I, I hesitate to give it this because it, it, it seems like it should get, like, higher than that. Uh, but I'm going to give it a 7 on my initial listen, but a, but a very strong 7. Uh, I, I I can tell that this is, a like, an important album. I know uh, the, the influence that it had kind of on, on hip-hop production from here out and just sort of expanding the palette of, of hip-hop into sort of more psychedelic territory, which is... Honestly, like, kind of where I'm more at, uh, if, if I'm gonna check out hip-hop, I, I like the, the weird, you know, trippy stuff anyway, uh, and, like, you know, I, I even kind of, like, chopped and screwed, like, Southern crap, because it's kind of got that, like, haze to it, and just that, like, general sort of fucked upness of it, but, uh, 
yeah, um, I, I could see it going up in my book, maybe with more listens. Uh, I, I did get into like some other kind of classic uh, hip hop albums recently, like uh, N.W.A. Uh, straight out of Compton. So like, that was actually another comparable one I was thinking of uh, that I could have brought up. But uh, yeah, that one kind of grew on me over time. So I could see this kind of doing a similar thing for me too, just you know, exposing myself to it and, and taking it all in, taking in what the boys have to say. Just imagine you standing in front of a copy of the album as you open a bathrobe to expose yourself to it. <laughs> yes, exactly. Become part of me. Alright, I'm putting it all out there. I'm, I'm vulnerable. How about now you get naked? I want to wear you, Paul's Boutique. <laughs> I'm calling the police. That's MCA calling the cops. <laughs> uh, well, he's he's dead. Yes, Patrick, he is so. unfortunately no longer with us. <laughs> All right, Mike D. Then yeah, he, he called the cops. He can... <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jim, what would you give this? Uh, I'm going to give it a middle of the road seven. Uh, I don't know if it's something I'm going to go out of my way to listen to again, but if I did, I could maybe see it climbing the ladder a little bit. I think a lot of it had to do with, like I mentioned before, like it's it's so kind of rapid fire at you, it's hard to really kind of, you know, uh, consume it. <laughs> uh, so, uh, you know, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe not. <laughs> Seven. Uh, for me, this album is a kind of a, um, a go-to for me. If I'm just sitting around playing video games and by myself and there's nothing going on, uh, I'll almost always put on like this album or one of three others because it's just great background music for playing video games. And as to the quality of the content itself, uh, as opposed to it just being background music, it's important to me because I think that hip-hop if you're not talking like Weird Al or Victor Borge or something like that, like hip hop has the most potential for humor with the amount of lyrics that you have to have in every particular song. You can have a lot of wit and a lot of humor to what's I mean, happening. If I'm going hip hop, I'm going insane clown posse all day. You know? Well, yes, <laughs> I, I, I understand this. Um, and I think that Beastie Boys really nailed both the humor as well as uh, the production and instrumental side of things. This album is a bit different from them uh, for the rest of their career. Uh, the first two albums are pretty much outliers for them. And then from here on in, when they get into actually playing their own instruments and making their... Basically, they would they would record themselves, find a groove they like, press it to vinyl, have their DJ play it live. Like, that's that's sort of how they would, uh, they would make their music. And uh, I, I think that they just kind of nailed the formula. And this album, while it's different for me, it's my favorite of theirs. It's, um, it's, you can tell that they're having a blast with it because they're doing something so weird and something that they hadn't done before. And they're, they're just having a great time. And that's apparent on this. And there's some later albums like um, To the Five Borrows, the one that came out in 2004, where um, I, I don't hear that as much. It doesn't sound like they're having as much fun. It sounds like they're kind of putting out an album to put out an album. So, uh, yeah, for that reason, this is my favorite Beastie Boys album. It's uh, probably my favorite hip-hop album. Uh, I'm giving this a 9. Wow. All right, then. Paul's Boutique. Paulie's Boutique. Pablo's Honey. <laughs> pa- Pablo's Honey Boutique. Yeah. You can get all, uh, any kind of honey you want. You can get clover honey. You can get bee honey. You can get uh, horsefly honey. You can get... Uh, that sounds disgusting. <laughs> yeah, it's just shit. You know? it's, just, it's just like poo syrup. 
Yeah, so that gives us a uh, cumulative seven point repeating six for Paul's boutique. Wow, all right, we still got it. We do. We do. <laughs> we can still do math, guys. <laughs> that was the whole point. We, we did this show to try to teach ourselves math better, and we're doing great. We got repeating numbers, but, you know. <laughs> we're, we're on our way. We're well on our way. Uh, y'all, y'all want an alternative nation? I think yeah, we, we can do can. that. I was going to do a net worth, too. Oh, you, right. if you have one up, by all means, don't let me step in your toes. All right, gentlemen. What is Mike D's net worth? Price is right rules. Closest without going over. Wins the honeypot. I think his net worth is D's nuts. Good <laughs> <laughs> uh, night, everybody. <laughs> uh, no, seriously. Uh, damn, I mean, after he had to pay for all those fucking samples, uh, I don't even know. Uh, I'm going to go with a... Uh, yeah, they're still getting some play on the radio these days. I don't know where. I don't, I don't even know what the fuck would be playing with BC yeah, Boys BRU's these days. gone, so... You know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna guess 14 million. Okay. I am going to say 19 million. Uh, you guys are way the fuck off. Christopher's the closest. He's worth 90 million dollars. Jesus. Good for him. Yeah. yeah. I guess you know we're not really taking into consideration just how fucking big they were in the mid 90s. Yeah. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Though they they were they were very big. Sabotage was, was a huge song. I remember. They played that video all the time. Yeah, Sabotage was huge. And I mean, even like up through the late stuff, like that video they did where they had uh, younger versions of themselves played by Elijah Wood. Um, who else was it? It was, uh, you know what I'm talking about? Have you seen this video? Was this, uh, was this the uh, make, Check It Out or something? No. Make Some Noise is the Oh, Make the Some Noise. Okay. Yeah, it's from their last album. And um, they had Elijah Wood. Um, it's the guy from Vice Principals. Oh, I know who you're talking He's about. He's bounded down. Oh, oh uh, Daniel. Uh, no, uh, Danny McBride. Danny, Danny McBride, McBride yeah. yeah. And uh, Seth Rogen played the versions of them for the Fight to Your Right video. <laughs> like, it basically starts when that video ends and they're like crawling out of the party and they're like, oh man, that was so crazy. And then they just start rapping this new song. <laughs> That's very good. I like that. And uh, eventually they come across a uh, time machine and their future selves come out and it's like Will Ferrell and someone else playing them. <laughs> What do you guys? Uh, what do you guys think of uh, Daniel Radcliffe, Radcliffe playing uh, Weird Al? Uh, I'm I'm 100 into it. He's got to be at least like a foot shorter than him. <laughs> like I'm into it. It's just such bad casting, and just knowing that Weird Al is actually behind it is like, oh, okay, this is this is it, it's spot on. It's amazing casting because he he's also jacked. Have you seen Daniel Radcliffe without a shirt? You're like, he's, no, he's fucking jacked. Like, I, I don't know what he did. Like after love, Harry Potter, like he just he, he was just walking dogs beefy. and smoking cigarettes. You've never seen that picture. <laughs> oh, he's got like nine dogs and he's fucking ripping a butt. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I mean that that's I, peak male performance right there. <laughs> I I enjoy Daniel Radcliffe. Um there's a show out there called Miracle Workers which is um it's it, the last season was the third and each season tells a standalone story but it has the same cast. So like the first one, he was a literal miracle worker in heaven uh working with um I forget the actress's name but she was in uh Blockers. And uh, Steve Buscemi plays God. That's right. Yeah, I, re- I remember watching and then, some yeah, of this. The most recent season was based on the Oregon Trail, and it was just so fucking <laughs> oh, good. Oh yeah, I, I I heard about that. Yeah, yeah, shows the show is just great, and Daniel Radcliffe is a treat. I, I I saw a trailer for the Weird Al thing. It looks good. It it looks like it'll be really entertaining. Yeah, yeah, agreed. All right. Maybe a headline here. A, a Brett Buchanan. Brett Buchanan. Yeah, and then you're going to get good. 10 yes or no questions to 
to try to get some more information out of me, and then uh, we'll, we'll guess on what the meat of this article is. This one's a fucking doozy, guys. I'm not going to lie to you. Oh, God. Um, of course. Yeah, I, I strongly encourage you, don't, don't make guesses. Just ask, like, about sources. Ask about everything you possibly can. We, uh, we may have went uh, on hiatus, but Brett Buchanan is full fucking throttle. Oh, yeah. He's, he's still delivering the goods, I hope. This is from May 15th, 2022. All right. Here is your headline. Eddie Vedder partying with... God damn it. <laughs> Eddie Vedder partying with Johnny Depp revealed. It's like... I just fucking associate Brett Buchanan with the fucking Pacific Northwest at this point. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's either Bill, Billy he Corgan there? or like, fucking Eddie Vedder. It, yeah. Those are his two bands. Or it's something having to do with Soundgarden oh, yeah. or fucking... So once again, that is Eddie Vedder partying with Johnny Depp revealed. And uh, I, I've never done this before, but I, I can't see why this this wouldn't be fair. Did Eddie Vedder sh shit on... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's an Amber Heard joke. That's fun. Um, so I'll give you the categories that this article is in. Rock features, headlines, and top stories. <laughs> so remind yourself, this is a top story. Wow. Okay. Well, I mean, yeah, Johnny Depp's there. It's got to be a top story. You got to take advantage of the the current current news cycle, so uh, Eddie Vedder caught partying with Johnny Depp. What was it Eddie Vedder partying with Johnny Depp revealed? Revealed. Eddie Vedder partying with Johnny Depp revealed. Okay. Yeah. So uh, so ask me some yes or no questions. Uh, Patrick, you start. Uh, were they in the same room at this party? <laughs> That's a dumb question. Yes. Okay. They were, okay. Alright, because I was going to ask something about it being like a, like a Zoom party. Yeah. Uh, that, that, that was my <laughs> thought process, too. Just, you know, you got to check in the, in, in the COVID times, you know? Um, was it at one of their residences? Sure, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter, okay. Yeah. Alright. Was this in the 90s? No. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna piggyback off of that. Is it a recent thing? Yes. Okay. Okay. Uh, you got four down. Remember, um, this is Brett. So you want to think about sources. You want to think about. Um, just think outside the box. Think outside the bun. Is Instagram a source for this uh, article? No, but you're close. Close with Instagram. Okay. Oh, does this involve TikTok? <laughs> no. Ah, damn. All right. What else is like Instagram? You got your Tumblr. <laughs> more, more, ma more mainstream. Okay. Um, <laughs> Johnny Depp and Eddie Vedder met up on Coffee Meets Bagel. Uh, <laughs> Plenty of fish. Um, I think. Uh, all right. Well, it's got to be Facebook. What was, was the source? Facebook. I'll, I'll just give it to you. It, it's Twitter. It's Twitter. Oh, okay. The other the one. The only one we didn't. Yeah. We always forget about Twitter. All right, Jim. So we know that um, they were together, and uh, the Eddie Vedder partying with Johnny Depp revealed happened on Twitter. Uh, 
Was it one of them who posted it on Twitter, or was it a third party? Uh, definitely a third party. Okay. Wow. Could not be more of a third party. Okay. All right. Did... Man. So how are we going to get who this third person is? Is the third person someone who's associated in any way with either Johnny Depp or Eddie Better? In no way whatsoever. Amazing. <laughs> Fucking incredible. Fucking brilliant. I was going to say Johnny Depp is speaking about himself in the third person. Is that, and that is that. <laughs> um, Jesus. God damn it, it could be anyone. Um, <laughs> well, we know it's not two people. <laughs> well, so... Does the person... Is the person who posted it rel relevant at all? Like, does it matter who posted it? <laughs> no, they're, they're not even named. <laughs> okay. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> all right. So that's uh, 10 yes or no questions. Uh, I'm going to need a guess from both of you. I'll give the award to uh, whoever I think is closer. Uh, somebody caught... So somebody who is... Uh, very much on Twitter all the time and likes to post videos on Twitter. Just happened to be at a club and saw Eddie Vedder and Johnny Depp uh, cutting a rug, dancing dancing to the tunes. Okay. And Jim? I'm going to go ahead and say that, uh, you know, this random person on Twitter stumbled into some establishment. It might have been a house, it might have been a restaurant, could have been a club, whatever. Just happened to see them in the same room and got a picture. They probably weren't even talking to each other. For all we know, they were waiting in line at a Starbucks and were like four people apart from each other. And, and this person just happened to click and uh, get a picture of the two of them in the same location and, and posted it on Twitter and uh, said they were partying together. Right, so so, so the party at the Starbucks. I'm going to have to give this one to Patrick. God damn it. They were physically in the same room, as, uh, as was mentioned earlier, and they were partying together. Oh. Um, all right. So once again, the Good. headline... Eddie Vedder partying with Johnny Depp revealed by Brett Buchanan, May fifteenth, twenty twenty two, year of our, year of our Lord Jesus Wasn't Christ. Was it Brett Buchanan who did the video? <laughs> no, that'll be. I mean, it could be based on the phrasing here. All right, so here we go. Um, I, I ask that you uh, hold all comments until I'm done reading. Okay. okay. Eddie Vedder discussed Johnny Depp at Pearl Jam's show on Friday. A fan tweeted. Eddie Vedder did not talk about Johnny Depp's case, but he did mention JD as being at Bay Area P PJ shows and partying with the band, along with the Stones. Hashtag justice for JD. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Wait, who put the hashtag on? Was that? The fan. The fan. Yeah. Of course. Yep. Yeah, so uh, at a show, Eddie Vedder mentioned that he had partied with Johnny Depp uh, at some point at other after other shows. And a fan heard this and tweeted it, and then Brett Buchanan wrote an article about that oh, tweet. So it wasn't even a picture, it was just a fucking... No, no not at all. It's just the text. <laughs> Alright. I mean, I, I know the media is milking this this fucking case for, for every single fucking, like, any, anything they could possibly get out of it. But this is absurd, Brett. Come on. Like, that's it? Yeah, it's, uh... It's something, right? It's skimpy, man. It's leaving me hungry, Brett. 
<laughs> he was I'm going one. hungry. I'm going hungry. <laughs> well, I think Brett's going hungry, too, and that's why he's writing this bullshit. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, Eddie Vedder was, was, a, was, a, uh, was a dog templar. Temple of the dog. He sure was. Yeah. Stone Temple Dogs, man. <laughs> so, uh, I've, I had something happen to me the other night that I don't think many people on this planet could say have had happened to them. Oh, no. Um, it's gonna uh, be... I know what happened. Oh, yeah. You both know what happened. Uh, so I went to the Red Sox game the other night. <laughs> yeah. And, uh... <laughs> For those of you who aren't familiar, the mascot for uh, the Red Sox is Wally the Green Monster. He's just a big, fluffy, green man. Um, <laughs> and uh, so Emily's cousin uh, works for the Red Sox, so we got we got up into uh, the, the, the State Street Pavilion, and we were having dinner or whatever, and Wally came in, and he was like saying hi to everybody. Motherfucker comes over to me, grabs my fork, stabs a piece of bread, and then shoves it into my mouth. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I have been personally fed by Wally the Green Monster. That's pretty good. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that if you wanted to, that could be considered assault. Uh, if you just go that <laughs> route. But, you know. No, Wally's above the law. He's above the law. Yeah, well, maybe he has uh, he has diplomatic immunity yeah. as well. This is an extrajudicial stuffing in your mouth. <laughs> yeah, he's... <laughs> Yeah, he's he's a spokes monster from from a different jurisdiction. <laughs> spokes monster. <laughs> Please, I'm, spokes monster. <laughs> Please respect my title and respect my spoonful of food for you. Here respect you go. My spoonful of bread. It's part of his culture. So I, see, like the best part of this is like I could see him doing that to like a child. Like, oh, well, I am a child. <laughs> Well, he saw Jimmy. He's just like, oh, hungry boy wants some bread. <laughs> hungry boy, just some bread. I don't know how to use forks yet, so I'll spoon it to you. I gotta, I gotta say, it was pretty impressive watching him pick up the fork with that. Big oh, it was green. a fork. Okay. Oh yeah. No, it was my silverware. He picked it up. Uh, did the person in the suit talk at all? No, they're not allowed to. Okay, I didn't think so, but uh, it would have just been great if it was like, oh, here you go, little fella. <laughs> 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 I'm gonna kill you. <laughs> happy birthday or congratulations. <laughs> Merry Christmas or I'm sorry <laughs> for your loss. Molly <laughs> oh, oh, goes to funerals. <laughs> <laughs> he has a different head for it, so instead of the smile, it's just literally upside down as a frown. <laughs> All right, Patrick. Do you, what's uh, what's going on with you? You got anything you want to plug? Uh, I don't know. Just uh, check out Jukebox Zeros, the the other podcast that I do, and that Wills and I are still doing. And uh, we're we're wrapping up our season soon, and then and then starting a new one, as as we've been doing for like the past six, God, like five or six years now. I think it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. crazy to think about five years. Uh, but yeah, check that out. Uh, and yeah, not really a whole lot else. Uh, I'll have some big announcements maybe on the next birthday bonus, but uh, yeah, that, that's about it going on right now. I'll just leave it at that. Uh, happy birthday, Christopher! Oh, and, thank uh, you. Thanks for uh, thanks for treating me to uh, Paul's boutique and uh, hearing it for the first time. And uh, now now I've I've listened to it and it's <laughs> it, it's part of me now. It can't be undone. <laughs> it can't be undone. I can't be unlistened to. Jim, what do you got going on? Honestly, uh, 
nothing. Um, <laughs> I have been kind of just playing drums in a couple of different bands, filling in on some stuff. Uh, got to play a couple shows. I actually did a show for, we mentioned Todd Bowes earlier, uh, John Sasser and I uh, jumped on a Down City Armory gig. That was my first time back on the stage since the pandemic, so that was pretty yeah. cool. Uh, other than that, Christopher and I made a 48-hour film that's going to be coming out. And, yeah, uh, we're excellent. actually we're actually pretty Thank proud you. of this one. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, by the time you are hearing this, it will be online. Uh, it is called Blood Brothers, and uh, our our production company that put it out is called Hands Brera. That's B R E R R A. Excellent. Yeah, other than that, I got shit going on. Uh, other than gout. Myself, um, I'm very slowly working on uh, Difference Engine stuff. Um, something will happen at some point. Um, in addition to that, I'm also very slowly wrapping up a record that I've been working with uh, past guests of the show, Abram Tabor and uh, John Green on. And we started it for RPM. Uh, we finished it as an EP, but we decided to do uh, a few more songs to kind of round out the package uh, as a full length. And we're just waiting on a few more songs to wrap up before we, uh, we put that out. But that'll be soon. You dropped your pad. I know, and I don't want to bend over. <laughs> I don't want to well, get it. <laughs> on that note, uh, yeah, guys, thanks for uh, making time for this birthday bonus episode. Um, I will almost definitely not listen to it when it comes out because I'm going to be in Iceland, and uh, Hell yeah. I won't. I'll try not to think about either of you fucks while I'm there. <laughs> you shouldn't. You no. should be just thinking about the the sweet sweet hot dogs. Oh yeah. Just Hot dogs, and I might, I might even treat myself to a little horse when I'm there, you know? If you Anything's do, just, just picture me just with my gut hanging out, sitting in a corner, just eating cold soup. <laughs> I'll be eating bouillabaisse. <laughs> All right, so uh, I think that about does it for us. Thanks for listening. Uh, we yeah, we'll, really appreciate that you still have us in your feeds, and uh, we will continue to uh, to have these for you. So, yeah, until uh, one of us stops having a birthday. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do death day bonus. <laughs> All right, yeah, so until that death day, I am Christopher. <laughs> I'm Patrick. I'm Jim. I'll see you at L. On your death day. <laughs> <laughs>
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.